0: Welcome to Rebel Roundup, ladies and gentlemen, and the rest of you, in which we look back at some of the very best commentaries of the week by your favourite rebels. I'm your host, David Menzies. Well, Pastor Archer Palowski was in Seattle last week to preside over a prayer gathering, and then the violent hooligans who comprise Antifa showed up, and even worse, folks, the Seattle police turned a blind eye to the carnage. Adam Seuss has all the disturbing details. Well, here's an indicator that the next federal election is surely upon us. You see, the Trudeau's nanny is back on the payroll, the second one that is, which means the Liberals are surely dusting off Sophie for photo ops. Sheila gunn Reid shall explain all. And letters, we get your letters, we get them every minute of every day. And you had plenty to say about a petition started by a nutty professor who... Wants a new and improved Ontario flag because the current one is non-inclusive? Yikes. When oh when will cancel culture shut up already? Those are your rebels. Now let's round them up.
1: here with Rebel News. You all likely know Pastor Arthur Pawlowski for his resistance against COVID restrictions and his dramatic roadside arrest. He stayed open and continued to feed the poor and for it he was made an enemy of the public. He faced not only police and government oppression but targeted harassment for members in his own community. For the last little while he has been touring the United States and he's encountered very little problems but today in portland oregon we are seeing shocking footage of an arrangement a speaking engagement that he was set to be at ostensibly being attacked by antifa we joined pastor arthur pavlowski on the phone for an update uh pastor arthur pavlowski thanks for joining me if you could give me a quick update on what happened today
2: well we were invited to portland oregon and the event started at 12 o'clock and we we told to do it in a battleship memorial. But later, the police contacted the organizers, and they've told them to move just a little bit to the side of the park. And behold, they said to Antifa to come and do whatever Antifa does in that location. It was a Christian event, so it was organized by a number of churches together. I was one of the speakers. Before everything started, the Antifa dressed in black, about 25, 30 of them, started to throw fire bombs on children and women. I mean, can you imagine babies in strollers, firebombs, um, smoke bombs, uh, tear gas, rotten eggs, and, uh, you know, the whole craziness uh, before even everything started. The police was watching this whole thing seeing what was going on, the women and children being attacked, and they've done, they did absolutely nothing, nothing. So what we did, we continued with the event in the exact location we said we would, at the Battleship Memorial. So I gave a speech over there. I'm going to publish it uh, today. And uh, other pastors were speaking as well. And because of the incident, we got invitation to come next week for a number of events, because, you know, that's what I love, American spirit, the patriotic spirit of, you know, fighters, resistance, um, the liberty, the, you know, uh, it's it just the heart of a man that says, who do you think you are, you gangster, wannabe tyrant? And women, of course, because you know, I'm telling you, Adam, women stood their ground And they said, no, we're not moving. How dare you do this to us? This is our city. So we stood our ground. A lot of people gave their speeches. Of course, I did as well. And we're coming back to the city next uh, to continue. But what is shocking to me is that the police was involved, involved in this setup. It was a total setup on a Christian women and children, fathers, To come in a peaceful assembly just to worship God, and the police set those people up for a beating of a lifetime. And thank God we had some brave Americans uh, to come and defend and stand uh, because other, you know, if that was not the case, uh, those women and toddlers and, and kids in strollers would be absolutely destroyed by those gangsters, those brown shirts of Biden and Fauci. So just to confirm, you're saying you had a spot
1: set out and the police directed you elsewhere. When you got there, Antifa
2: knew exactly where the new location the police directed you to attend would be? Yes, exactly. That's what I'm saying. It was a police setup to beat people up using Antifa as a weapon. I mean, I know how this sounds, but I'm telling you, you can confirm this with some big names here in the States, in Oregon, uh, in Portland. This whole thing was set up by the police. I confronted police myself, and I have told them, shame on you for what you have done. And you know what they did? They look at me, I think they recognize who I was, and they turn around and two cop. I mean, they run away like rats for what they are. They're not police officers, they're gangsters in uniforms, they're brown shirts of Adolf Kitra. I told them, to take down your badges, take down your uniforms and join Antifa if that's what your desire is.
0: Disgusting, disgraceful and disturbing. But the question arises, who should we have more contempt for? The thugs who comprise Antifa or those members of law enforcement who refuse to do their job, thereby becoming accomplices of Antifa in the process? Unbelievable. And joining me now is the man who has been following the Arthur Pawlowski saga since day one, and that would be Adam Seuss in Calgary. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, Adam. It's for having me on. Oh, it's always a pleasure, my friend. Adam, that video footage was absolutely shocking, especially given that this disgrace took place in a country that has the First Amendment. What the hell is going on with the Seattle Police Service these days? that they would even allow this to happen in the first place?
1: It's a wonderful question. I wish I could say that this was a surprise, but to be honest, this is a return to norm uh, for for Arthur's experience. He had a few weeks after his release from jail where he he got to speak with like-minded people and present and share his faith. Um, it all went off relatively without incident. For a stretch, we weren't covering some troubling news on the Arthur Pawlowski front, but clearly the uh, radical progressives weren't going to allow that to happen. And what's more troubling is, as you mentioned, uh, not only did the uh, did the uh, Antifa folks who showed up bear an uncanny resemblance to the uh, Calgary police who stormed in uh, when they arrested Pastor Arthur Pawlowski, but we've seen, and according to Arthur Pawlowski, that the police in the United States are basically uh, involved to some extent. They asked him to move. Uh, they asked the event to be relocated slightly, and when they got to the new location, Antifa was immediately informed. Police sat in their cars. People were accosted attempting to return to their vehicles as property was stolen. It's absolutely unbelievable.
0: You know, Adam, I'm wondering: is is this the regular cop on the beat that is somehow, for ideological reasons, siding with the thugs who comprise Antifa, or? Is it the political puppet masters of the police uh, that are ordering them uh, stand down, don't do anything? I mean, as far as I'm concerned, Adam, the um, Antifa is like the militia for the Democrat Party, and we know how left-leaning the likes of Seattle and Portland are. What are your thoughts on that? I I
1: think, unfortunately, when we grew up, we were taught like an officer is someone you can trust. Um, They know to do the right thing. If you're in trouble, run to them. Unfortunately, now, I think to have a good police officer, they almost need to be heroic beyond the, the, the job, because if you do the right thing, if you stand up against oppression, if you protect the citizens, protect their property, as we see did not occur here, uh, you're, you're probably going to catch some flack for it, you're certainly going to get some paperwork. Um, it, it's clear from the top down, whether it be in this country, Canada, or in the United States, that there are problems and that politics have overrun doing the right thing for police forces.
0: You know, it's incredible because I've run into Antifa on assignments, uh, Adam. They are so despicable and they are so cowardly. And by that, I mean, they'll come to you, they'll mob you, uh, not physically at first, they'll have umbrellas to block camera angles so you can't have any evidence being collected. And then you just try to walk out of their way and they create a situation where you bump into them by just trying to get away and they'll fall over backwards and scream assault, assault, police, police. Uh, it's like they want it both ways. They're, they're against the establishment, but then they want the cops to come in and make an arrest when they pretend uh, to be offended. Um, I, 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 I'm just beside myself uh, with these people. But the thing is, Adam, the I'm trying to figure out what the ostensible policy reason of Antifa is when they go after Christians in a park Praying, what is it about praying or Christianity that is so repugnant to them? Because I'm going to make a, a thesis here. If these were, say, Muslims praying in the park, I don't think Antifa would be attacking them. <laughs>
1: yeah and i mean i think we've seen a a bit of a correlation with many people who are standing up for freedom and pushing back certainly things that authoritarian governments wouldn't like as has frequently been the case throughout history um there's an association with christian faith as well but i mean there's a great irony in professing to be anti-fascist, when all you do is uh, basically reenact the historical policies of fascists throughout history, targeting and persecuting Christians, wearing black block tactical gear, literally dressing like repeated uh, special forces throughout the history of fascism, um, and showing up in tactical gear. The other thing that's extremely vexing to me is I honestly suspect that if I walked down the street like that alone, even if I wasn't getting into any trouble... If I was wearing tactical gear walking down the street, I suspect I would probably be arrested or at least question, how come 20 people can come out with clear tactical training, flash bombs, all this stuff, uh, tear gas, and, and assault a group, including families, and literally steal their product as they're walking away? Um, there, there's clearly a, a strong ideological bent, and to suggest that it's anti-fascist is, is not the case. The ideological bent is fascist, or at least totalitarian.
0: You know, Adam, uh, that's so well said. Uh, Antifa is a contraction, of course, of anti and fascist. And yet my belief has always been, uh, let's drop the anti and just call them fa because they are fascists. They use the tactics of fascists, violence, intimidation, vandalism, arson. How can they claim even to be anti fascist when uh, you can't tell the difference between them and fascist classic?
1: And there's, there's the additional irony of the fact that all we talk about is the, the radicalization of the right and the great dangers of the right. We're literally seeing black bloc soldiers marching through the streets, shutting down events that they don't agree with. Why, we're, there's literally like violence, theft, and action being taken on by radicalized leftists, but we don't want to talk about that. We're talking about theoretical right-wing radicalism.
0: And, you know, I thought the best quote in that video was from Pastor Arthur, of course, when he told those police, um, if you're not going to do anything, uh, take off your badge, take mm-hmm. off your uniform, because you're not law enforcement anymore. You're just part of that that mob. And I, I guess that leads up to, um, you know, my final question for you, Adam, is that this coming weekend, uh, Arthur will be in Portland. Uh, that might be the Antifa hub for the entire continent. Mm-hmm. Um, look what they did. I mean, people talk about an insurrection. Look what Antifa did with the uh, federal courthouse building uh, in several months ago. Um, what do you expect is going to happen here? Because as far as I can tell, uh, the Portland Antifa rank and file are probably feel emboldened. They saw their Seattle brothers mm-hmm. get away with it. Uh, do you expect more trouble for this group?
1: To be honest, I certainly hope not, but it is probable. On that note, though, um, they have been dealing with cops, uh, police forces who are easily pushed over. They've been dealing with uh, people who are moderate and milk toast at best. Um, they've yet to encounter, uh, to to a real extent, Pastor Arthur Pavlowski, and I won't even say the words myself. Uh, we can we can use the man's from the word himself uh, from the words from the man himself excuse me lions do not bow to hyenas so uh, pastor arthur Pavlowski can stand his own ground and i don't think he'll be backing down
0: wow i i think to compare Antifa members to the hyenas, Um, that's kind of insulting to the hyena community, but but a great quote nevertheless. Uh, Adam, great piece. Um, uh, I know it's um, trending very well, and uh, let's all hope and pray that none of these shenanigans happen to Arter and uh, uh, the, the people he's going to be preaching to in Portland. So thank you again. Have a great weekend, my friend.
1: Thanks very much. Appreciate it.
0: And that was Adam Seuss in Calgary. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this.
3: Friends, I think the next federal election is much, much sooner than we think. And today I'll show you why, based on the recent hire, or rather rehire, that the Trudeau family just made. Sheila Gunn-Reed for Rebel News, and I think I have a pretty rock-solid prediction about the coming of the next election. You know how I tell you that I like to watch the Federal Contracts and Tenders website as a bit of a crystal ball to predict the future actions of the Liberal government and all of the things they plan to do to us? Well, today I can see one contract that has really tipped me off to the closeness of the next coming election. People have been musing about the federal writ being dropped all over the place, but this one contract, for me, it's early confirmation in writing, in black and white, something more than just rumors and innuendo. Let's go back a little though. Unlike the Harpers before them, who prided themselves on fiscal accountability and paying their own way and paying for their own kids, the millionaire Trudeau family actually charges their nanny to the taxpayer and for a time, They actually charged two nannies to the taxpayer. The Trudeaus already take Grandma Margaret Trudeau almost everywhere with them, and yet the Trudeaus still needed, at least for a time, not one but two taxpayer-funded nannies to assist with their three kids. I know it sounds crazy, but look at this article from back in 2016. After months of criticism about Canadians paying for the Trudeau family's caregivers, the Prime Minister's office said Tuesday the Prime Minister and his wife will pay the salary of a new caregiver themselves. The other nanny remains part of the residence staff and will still be paid for by the taxpayers. So, to be clear, they still had two nannies and grandma, but they picked up the tab for the second one. How gracious of them. Totally just like... The middle class, they totally get us, don't they? However, the one taxpayer-funded nanny's contract ended last year. Here it is, the order in council that ended her contract with the Trudeau family. Order terminating the appointment of Sarah Clark, special assistant at the Prime Minister's residence, effective August 27, 2020. I guess when... Sophie Trudeau, Justin Trudeau's wife, was no longer able to travel and make us pay for it or accept gifts of travel and accommodation from the Kielburgers We organization. She had to do what everybody else does and take care of her own kids. Good. Welcome to the real world, sister. But look at this. Posted at the end of July and backdated a week from the date of posting. Order. Appointing Sarah Clark, that's the nanny, special assistant at the prime minister's residence and fixing her remuneration and conditions of employment effective July 21st 2021. Okay fine nothing new Trudeau is charging his nanny back to the taxpayer but what does this mean for the election? Rehiring the nanny right now means the Liberals are dusting off Sophie Trudeau and taking her out of storage to hit the campaign trail and the Trudeaus they bring the nanny with them when they travel They do it all the time. Look at this. Page six of these March 2019 flight manifests show the Trudeau family flight to Fort Myers, Florida, including Trudeau, of course, flying back and forth by himself during the week. And the trip includes the nanny, Sarah Clark, and of course, extras like Sophie's parents. When was the last time we truly saw Sophie Trudeau? I mean, outside of the controversy of when she went to that super spreader event in London at the beginning of the pandemic and brought COVID back to Canada with her. Think about it. I think probably the last time we really saw her was on the campaign trail doing forced feeling cringe videos to prove the Trudos aren't estranged and just like every other married couple. The nanny's back and I think so is the campaign. Just watch. But all this means the nanny should actually be a liberal party campaign expense or a Trudeau family expense, but definitely not your family's problem.
0: Wow, talk about a politician being entitled to his or her entitlements. And meanwhile, we, the beleaguered taxpayers, <laughs> yep, we're paying the freight. And joining me now for more on this story is Sheila gunn How you doing there, Sheila?
3: David, I'm doing great. Just taking care of my own kids like everybody else does. You know. Oh,
0: yeah, isn't that amazing? What a concept. You know, it's a funny thing, isn't it, Sheila? We're all familiar with the term nanny state, but with the Trudeau clan, that descriptor is meant to be taken literally. But here's the thing, Sheila, as you alluded to, I don't think Sophie is gainfully employed. Why is she unable to take care of her own kids without a nanny?
3: That's such a great question, David, but they have two nannies, or at least they did for the longest time. Plus, Grandma Margaret Trudeau goes with them everywhere, however many last names Margaret Trudeau has, but she stays with the (laughs) Trudeau last name because that's the one that pays the bills. Um, Yeah, you know, unlike the Harpers before them, the Trudeaus initially, up until 2016 and public outrage... They were charging two nannies back to the taxpayer for three kids, plus taking Margaret Trudeau with them everywhere. And I'm pretty sure Sophie Trudeau doesn't work. I think she or at least she used to post a lot of things to Instagram. And from time to time, she used to get to go on we organization funded trips. But uh, she really doesn't do all that much of anything, you know, I can't really recall if she does any charity work like I know that Mrs. Harper did a lot of charity work for animal organizations but I'm not quite sure what Sophie Trudeau does however you know like she has for a time at least two nannies uh and now they've rehired the one that uh whose contract was terminated at the height of the pandemic, I guess, because she likely had to choose between seeing her own friends and family and taking care of Justin Trudeau's friends and family. And so she chose her own (laughs) friends and family, but she's back on the public dime, excuse me. And uh, this leads me to believe that the campaign is right around the corner because Sophie is going to need somebody to take care of her kids again.
0: You know, Sheila, what gets me is the audacity Of the Trudeaus it's almost as though they consider themselves to be royalty I mean you know Justin Trudeau uh, he's basically a trust fund baby he even has daddy's classic Mercedes which might be valued at a million dollars right now and um, yet they still feel that it is incumbent upon people especially now in the uh, COVID environment uh, Sheila so many businesses bankrupt so many people unemployed they still feel that we should be uh, paying their freight. I, I mean, I, I could never do this. I could never have uh, the utter coldness, the utter entitlement uh, to do business this way.
3: Well, and I think there's an extra layer of grossness in all of this, given that Justin Trudeau took away income splitting that Stephen Harper had instituted into mm. families, families like mine before I started working for Rebel News. I was a stay-at-home mom. And we had the ability to income split because the conservatives before Justin Trudeau recognized that there was value to the work that I do as a mom. And instead of paying somebody else to take care of my kids, you know, why couldn't my husband just share some of that income with me and get us down into a lower tax bracket? Justin Trudeau took that away. That doesn't mean that fewer families choose to have one parent stay home and pay the bills. It just means that, like, it just means now that Justin Trudeau is having those people pay for his nannies because Justin Trudeau is not willing to make the choices that the rest of us are making. And let's not kid ourselves. Justin Trudeau's in the one percent, as you rightly point out, a millionaire. Plus he makes a healthy salary as the prime minister. So why can't he pay for his own kids? What Stephen Harper did it. Why can't he
0: yeah, um, unless, of course, he thinks uh, these kids are a burden and the less time he can spend with them, uh, the better, therefore, than nanny. But, of course, in the big picture, Sheila, as you rightfully point out in your video, um, this is probably a telltale sign that an election is indeed uh, coming down the tracks any day now. Um, the idea that we're going to have to, as you put it, dust off Sophie <laughs> to bring her on all those photo ops so they can pretend that they're this happily married uh, couple again, uh, a love the Clintons. Um, I guess uh, this is ultimately what this uh, doubling down on the nannyism is all about, isn't it?
3: Yeah, I think so. And it's funny that you chose the Clintons, who are an equally <laughs> awkward married couple pretending to be totally normal and middle class and they're anything but. Um, yeah, I think we should just prepare ourselves to be to be inundated with cringy videos of Justin Trudeau and his wife pretending not to be estranged, pretending to be totally normal, visiting pumpkin patches like they think normal middle class <laughs> people do. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, all this means to me is not only is charging your nanny to the taxpayer gross, but at the end of the day, it's so that Sophie can get out on the campaign trail which means this is a Liberal Party campaign expense. This is not my family's problem. This is not your family's problem. If they're going to use Sophie Trudeau as their campaign secret weapon, and I guess they're gonna, that's a campaign expense. That's a Liberal Party expense. It's not a taxpayer expense.
0: Wow. Well, one final question, Sheila. If I were a betting man, and I am, what are the odds that Sophie is gonna sing uh, during one of these uh, election pit stops?
3: (laughs) Oh, I think the chances that Sophie's going to warble us a tune are about 50-50. I uh, like
0: those odds. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Sheila, we can laugh about it now, but inside, uh, I think we, like our audience, we're crying. Yet another malicious (laughs) use of uh, taxpayer funds. And ultimately, it's all about creating optics on the uh, hustings once the election is called. How shameful is that? Great commentary as usual, Sheila. Thank you so much.
3: Thanks, David. Have a great weekend.
0: You too. And that was Sheila gunn Reid, somewhere in the northern hinterland of Alberta. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. David Menzies for Rebel News here in downtown Toronto. Well, folks, is Ontario's provincial flag too colonialist and too non-inclusive? Well, that is certainly the opinion of Mano Majumdar. He is a lecturer at Western University's Ivy Business School, and he has started a petition to get a new flag for the province of Ontario. Yep, cancel culture is still putting its pedal to the metal. Um, Evidently, this is what Mr Majumdar had to say. We have a lot of words being spoke about reconciliation and inclusion. If we're not even able to take this one minor step towards making a symbolic commitment to actually having a different society, then we have no credibility when we talk about reconciliation and inclusion. Hmm, Fancy that. And uh, he has launched a petition. And this is what the petition states. The best flags are distinct and inclusive, Ontario's is neither. This petition calls on the Ontario Legislature to replace the provincial flag with a more distinct and inclusive flag chosen by democratic means. Well, you know what? Um, I really like the democratic means part of the petition. So we reached out to a graphic designer. He came up with four concepts. Four new potential Ontario flags uh, that might be more inclusive and less uh, colonialization. Our first one was a spirit unicorn uh, behind a multicolored flag. Um, it's cute. Who would find offense in that? Uh, then we have uh, the kids from Kid Power, completely diverse, completely multiracial. Um, hey, they say kids are the future. Uh, personally i think it's the hovercraft then we have a illustration of cherry cheesecake this is a reminder to the people of ontario to always be diligent when the next coronavirus wave strikes as the premier says get in your basement bake cherry cheesecake safely
3: i haven't
2: had one of these in years
0: and the third one well it kind of looks like the flag of surrender doesn't it It is a simple white flag um, that is completely, well, I guess it is the flag of surrender. Or you could look upon it as being a -a etch-a-sketch canvas. You fill in your own illustration, your own phrase, the sky's the limit. How's that for the democratic process? Anyways, let's find out what the people of Toronto, Ontario have to say about these concepts as a replacement to the traditional ontario flag so what would you choose sir the correct facetious answer of course (laughs) is the blank one so i can add whatever i (laughs) like or do you think that might be confused as the white flag of surrender
2: Ooh, ooh! you see
0: that's
1: that's a good point yes why not have uh, an infinitesimal dot that's black on it, so you couldn't say the flag is completely white.
0: Oh, okay then. But th- maybe uh, people would prefer a predominantly black flag with a
2: little white see, dot. That option should be there as well.
0: Maybe we could have both. It's like uh, sports teams. They have home and away jerseys that are reverse of each other. Now that makes sense. Who would you choose, sir? I would sir? pick the white canvas because you got to leave the flag alone, man. It is what it is. It's been here. The flag's been here before we were here, man. Like, you know, sure you can't reinvent the wheel, right? A wheel's a wheel's a wheel. <laughs> this one. Spirit Unicorn. Yeah, you really can't. I can't see that being offensive to anyone. How about yourself? Uh, the Unicorn one. Unicorn two. Okay, two for the Unicorn. Which one would you vote for? Well, there you have it folks from certain dr seuss books to statues of historical figures to sports team nicknames and logos absolutely nothing escapes the wrath of the cancel culture mob these days and now apparently flags are triggering to snowflake nation give me a break in any event you had plenty to say about yet another crackpot idea cooked up by a supposed intellectual to improve Canada by, well, trying to eradicate Canada's history. Ryan writes, Imagine going to someone else's country and trying to change their flags. See how far you get. Indeed, the flag of the Taliban, I understand, is now flying in certain regions of Afghanistan. I wonder how the peace-loving rank-and-file of the Taliban would react if I told them that I was offended by their flag and I wanted it altered. Actually, I think we all know how they would react. JM Music writes, totally with that guy who said, F those people. You know, JM, I try to steer clear of profanity, but you are correct. There are certain instances in which you just have to drop an F-bomb or two. One angry Canadian writes, I'd like to start cancelling all the cancel culture people. Now, that's my kind of cancel culture. And that's not about cancelling at all, is it? But rather, it's about restoring the culture to an environment where we could agree to disagree and we didn't have to worry about the hurt feelings of gender studies graduates. Uh, (laughs) Ah, the good old days. John L. writes, Another politically correct egghead trying to erase our traditions and history. He works for a government-funded school. Talk about biting the hand that feeds you. If he doesn't like being under our flag, he is free to leave. (coughs) And get this, John, this nutty professor is now playing the victim card because of all the negative feedback he's been receiving. Aw, poor baby. And Richard Kay writes, Speaking as someone from England, I find the flag absolutely great. And speaking as someone who was born and lives in Ontario, I totally agree with you, Richard K. But gee, Richard, does our love of the Ontario flag make us bigots? Folks, the world is insane. The only question is this, have we reached peak insanity yet? Well, that wraps up another edition of Rebel Roundup. Thanks so much for joining us. See you next week. And hey, folks, never forget, without risk, there can be no glory. Good night.